reading this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 11 to 25 and you can follow along on the home worship pdf dear friends i urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everybody. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honour the king. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Thanks, Mandy. It's uh, good to see you all. So, well, to know that you're there. I can see a little number that says there's 48 of you watching at the moment. So it's good to know that you're there and I'm here and we get to look at the Bible together. I'm going to uh, just say a quick prayer for us and then we're going to get into it. Uh, so if you're willing to pray for me and pray with me, that would be great. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, thank you for the opportunity we have now to look at your word, the opportunity we have to think about what it means to live as your people in this world. I pray that you'll help me to speak clearly, to say what you want me to say, and all of us to hear you speaking to us. Amen. Well, as uh, Christians, I think we spend a lot of time uh, wondering about how do we commend Christianity to the world? How do we live in a way that people will see what Jesus has done for us and want to respond to that? And sometimes I think we want Christianity to be loved in the world because it's good for us and for our reputation. But when we are in a better space, we often 
uh, want people to know Jesus and to love Jesus so that they can have the same hope that we have in Him. And so we think about all the different ways that we can do this. I remember when I was a teenager, uh, one of the things that I thought would be instrumental in bringing people to faith uh, in Jesus uh, would be uh, if they could just hear Christian rock music and understand how cool Christians are, then they'll put their faith uh, in Jesus. So uh, this was one of my favorite bands. I don't know how many pe- people were uh, DC Talk fans, but I thought if we could share DC Talk with the world, uh, then people would definitely put their trust in Jesus. Uh As I've gotten older, I've realized that probably that's not going to work. But there are other things that we try and do to help people uh, understand and believe in Jesus. We have... apologists who will run big events and you can you know drag your non-christian friend along to someone who's gonna uh, talk about the you know the 12 things that will stop people believing in jesus or we sometimes like to run events where we have like gingerbread house making at christmas time where you bring your friend along and you spend most of your time making a gingerbread house and a little bit of time hearing a talk about jesus and then a little bit more time you know with your edible dwelling and there's that's one thing that we can do or another thing that we try and do uh, is just make sure that everyone knows about Christian celebrities that we can trot them out and see that if this person believes in Jesus then you should believe in Jesus too and actually none of these things are you know terrible things uh, some of these things can be really good and helpful in helping uh, people come to know Jesus and it can they can commend Christianity to the world but What we see in this passage is that Peter gives us the most important thing that we can be doing to commend Christianity to the world, and that is to live good lives. Uh, This is what he says at the beginning of the passage. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse us of doing wrong, They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And what Peter is saying there is he's saying that our job as Christians in the world uh, is to live good lives so that as people see the way that we live, they will either glorify Jesus by putting their trust in him now, or they'll glorify Jesus at the end of time when they celebrate the way that he was at work in us. One way or another, people are going to glorify Jesus, and we want to live lives that help them to glorify Jesus. And if we want to want people to put their trust in Jesus, then we need to live lives that reflect the goodness of Jesus. It's no use just having good words about Jesus if we don't live good lives that back that up. You only have to look at the way that uh, people have responded to the church in light of the Royal Commission and the way that they have seen the things that the church has done, which have been terrible in society, to see what happens to the Christian witness when we do not live good lives, when we do not live a life that commends Jesus to the world. And so our job uh, is to live faithful lives that will vindicate our faith, so that people will see the goodness of Jesus and respond to that. Now, what Peter does Uh, is he uh, gives us two different uh, ways that we can be living these good lives. And the first is in relation to the government. And this is what he says from verse 13. He says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority 
or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk sorry, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Now, I don't know uh, how you feel about the government. I'm guessing there are some of you who are a bit like me and you love doing the right thing. You love obeying the rules. And when the government says to do something, you're like, yep, I can do that. And there are others of you who you just don't trust the government at all. And you're like, I definitely do not want to obey the government. And I will rebel against the government whenever I get an opportunity. And some of the laws are dumb and so I just won't obey them. And for you, you might feel a little bit uncomfortable with this passage because you know that governments are often corrupt and governments often don't do the right thing. And so the question is, how should we be responding to the government? Um, Well, uh, I think one of the things that we can think about is that the government is put here for a reason by God. The government is given to us to look after the society that we are living in. Um, when uh, I, I was, sorry, uh, if I was talking to you like eight months ago and I told you that by this time, this year, the government would have you know, banned people from going to church and the government would have you know, told Australians, people all over Australia that to just stay at home, they couldn't leave their houses. You would say that I was crazy. You would say, that is definitely not going to happen. That is an apocalyptic future. You are insane. But if I insisted that that's what was going to happen and you had to decide what you're going to do about it, probably, you know, the end of last year, you'd be saying, well, if the government told me I couldn't go to church, then I, I would go to church anyway. I would defy the government because they cannot stop us from practicing our faith. I'm sure many of you would be responding like that. However, here we are, and we're not at church. You're in your house, and I'm here. We're doing church over the internet. Uh, We have spent months at home, and we get to go out a bit more now, but we have seen what it's like for the government to lock down Australia. And the reason why they have done it is not because they are trying to stop people from being Christians, but because they are trying to look after the most vulnerable in our society to stop people from getting sick, to stop our hospitals from being overwhelmed. And so the right thing for us to do as the church is to obey the government, to submit to the government, to do what the government asks us to do, because we as Christians, we want to protect the most vulnerable in our society. It's been disappointing to see there have been Christians uh, in Australia, but even more in the US, who have resisted what the government has asked them to do. And so we're going to keep worshipping God the same way we always have and have ignored the, the call on us by Jesus to love those who are most vulnerable, to, to, stop, to help others uh, to be safe and to be healthy. And would it be terrible if people remembered that about us, that during the lockdown that we resisted because we wanted to do things our way. And I think it's been great to see that churches all over Australia have been submitting to the government in this way so that we can show to the world uh, what it means to look after those who are vulnerable and those who could get sick. But 
2020 has been quite a year. And uh, over the last uh, few weeks, uh, we've had the Black Lives Matter thing happen in the US, which has been uh, looking at systematic racism uh, within uh, the the US uh, police, sorry, the, the way that the police have been dealing with African Americans in the US. And in Australia, it's been highlighted the systematic racism within uh, Australia and how the police have treated Indigenous Australians. And the question probably has been raised for many of us is how are we meant to respond to that? When we see injustice uh, by the government done to people who are vulnerable, what should we be doing? When should we be resisting the government? When should we be disobeying the government? And so this passage in Peter has for us gives us some insights into how we should be thinking about things. The first thing to notice in the passage is that what Peter, Peter is talking to a bunch of Christians who are living under the rule of a tyrannical government who has taken over much of the known world. Uh, for the Christians uh, who are Jews, they know that the, the Roman government has been ruling over their nation uh, as a foreign power. Uh, and many of them have had to leave uh, where they live because of the persecution of that government. This, this government has been active in persecuting Christians, and still he tells people to submit to the government. But he tells us then what the government's job is. And the government's job is to uh, commend those, sorry, to punish those who do evil and commend those who do good. And so as far as the government uh, is punishing those who do evil and commending those who do good, we want to support that. But we also know that there is a time when the government oversteps its mandate and breaks the, the rules and laws of God. And Peter, uh, we see that he doesn't always obey the government. In Acts chapter 4, uh, he is told to stop preaching about the resurrected Jesus. And in chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, he says this, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And so what Peter is saying there is saying, when the government is calling you to do something which goes against God's laws, then you have to resist. Now, we live in a democracy where we have the opportunity to resist in ways which are lawful. We have the opportunity to raise our voice in ways which are lawful and to call the government to live and to, to work for the good of all people and to punish those who do evil and commend those who do good. And as we see that happening, we want to encourage the government to do that. And when, as we see the government doing the wrong thing, we want to encourage the government to do what is right. And we want to be people who do what is right as much as possible so that when it is time to disobey the government in a peaceful way, uh, we do that only knowing that in all other things we have sought to obey the government because our voice will be heard if we are known as people who do what is right. Uh, I have been encouraged by the Love Makes a Way movement uh, where people who are uh, ministers and pastors and Christian leaders have uh, engaged in civil disobedience uh, to bring to light the plight of people who are seeking asylum in Australia and have been mistreated by the government. They're saying the government is punishing those who have not done evil. And the voice of these people can be heard because the rest of the time they're known as people who do what is good. 
Uh, you don't expect pastors and church leaders to be ones who are causing a ruckus. So when they do, you need to listen. And so we are people who pay our taxes and we don't speed and we do what is right because that is what God has called us to do as we obey the government that God has given us. And when it's time to resist, we do that too because we want the world to see what God stands for. The way we live good lives commends our faith to those who are watching. The next thing if, uh, that Peter says, if, the, if that paragraph was controversial, then the next one is even more controversial because he's talking about slavery. And this is what he says. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, that is commendable before God. To this you are called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So, uh, Peter is now talking about slavery. And uh, and the, the problem that we have is it seems like, if he's talking about slavery here, that this is an implicit endorsement of slavery. And that is not what is happening in this passage. There is no point in the Bible where the Bible endorses slavery. In fact, the fact that Peter here addresses slaves is a sign that he views slaves not as just property of their masters, but as people who are able to make their own decisions about their faith, to people who are autonomous people who can love and trust Jesus and don't have to just fit in with their their household's rules and their household's gods. They can choose to, to love and trust Jesus by themselves. This is an honoring of those who are slaves within his congregation. The next thing uh, it's important to note uh, is that when we look in the Bible, while we don't see any point where you know the Bible says, all right, slaves, rise up and rebel against your masters and get yourself free, but we do see the seeds of the abolitionist movement within what is written in the Bible. Uh, we see at the very beginning of the Bible the teaching that all people are created in the image of God. It's not all people who are of a particular class or a particular race or a particular gender. All people are created in the image of God. Uh, when Paul writes and says that in Christ there is no longer slave nor free, he's saying everybody is equal before Jesus. Uh, when Paul writes in 1 Timothy and he lists has a list of vices, in one of those lists of vices he says that slave traders are sinful. That slave trading is a sin. Uh, Paul encourages slaves uh, when they, if they can, gain their freedom to gain their freedom. And in the book of Philemon, Paul writes to Philemon about his slave Onesimus, who has run away, and encourages him to treat Onesimus not as a runaway slave, but as a returning Christian brother. And we see in the way that the Bible talks about slavery. Uh, we see that this is the foundation that those people who have fought against slavery could build upon because they've seen it in the Bible. Well, we would love for the Bible to say, uh, encourage Christians to dismantle the system of slavery that was happening in those days. Uh, it, it was 
impossible for Christianity at that point to do it. They were a small fledgling movement. It would be like the Anglicans of Melbourne deciding they were going to band together and and get rid of all cars in the world. And that might be a good thing to do, but it would be very difficult for us to do it because we are not that big and not that powerful in the world. But maybe at some point in the future, if we started a movement, it could happen, but you know, I'm, we don't have to talk about that now. But my point is that that we can see that there there is the space to fight against slavery in here, even if we don't see it. Paul is not saying that slavery is okay, but he is acknowledging that if you are a slave, there is a way to live. And we can be encouraged that people have fought against slavery in the past and are still fighting against slavery today because of what they have seen the Bible call them to do. So I'm guessing that most of you who are listening, hopefully all of you who are listening, are not slaves. But uh, many of you have bosses, you have employers, and there is a question there of how should we respond to those people who are in authority over us. And what Paul is saying here is that the way that we respond to those who are in authority over us, if we respond with grace and we respond with love, even when injustice is done to us, we commend Christianity to those who are watching. We commend Christianity to to our, our leaders, to those who are our bosses by the way that we submit to things which are unjust. Uh, We commend Christianity to those who are also watching. And what we do when we put up with things which are unjust in a way that is loving, or when I say put up, maybe put up with is not the right words, but when uh, when we respond in a way that is gracious and what is way that is loving, uh, we, in some ways, we condemn the unjust actions of those who are treating us unjustly. And so we need to be people who respond with love to those who are ruling over us, to those who are our bosses. Uh, the first job that I ever got, or the first long-term job that I ever got, was at my uh, local cinema. And when I first started the job, I thought it was going to be great. I would get free movies. I would get free popcorn. I will get free Coke. I used to work the day shift, which meant that I would sit in the box office. And while I sat in the box office, you would get like four or five old women to come through and watch the film throughout the day. And that was about it. And the rest of the time, my boss allowed me just to sit on a stool and read a book. So it was a pretty good job. But then as things went on, my boss got a little bit more... You know, antsy. He wanted me to, you know, be doing more work to earn the money that he was paying me, and so he would want me to be cleaning more. And if I wasn't cleaning, he would want me making popcorn. Or if I wasn't making popcorn, he would want me to making choc tops. If I wasn't making choc tops, he'd want me to be restocking the shelves. But when you sold like sold like two boxes of Maltesers and one Coke in a day, there was very little to do. I would just, you know, all day I would spend like wiping down the same bench or walking up and down the stairs and sweeping up nothing, so that I looked like I was working. And this got got on my nerves. I didn't like it at all, but I knew that my boss knew that I was a Christian. And whenever he got angry at me for not doing things right, I knew that the way I responded would reflect Jesus to him. 
And so I, I had to make sure that I responded in a way that honored Jesus so that I could commend Christianity to him and to those who are watching. And I'd love to tell you that at the end of my time there, that he said, Tom, you've been such a good worker. I've decided to put my faith in Jesus. And then I led him in the sinner's prayer and, and we had a revival in the cinema, but that's not what happened. Uh, when it was time for me to finish there, I let him know that I was going to be finishing up in two weeks, and he said that I could finish up at the end of my shift, and I left, and that was that. But uh, we live as Christians knowing that people see us living as Christians, and the way that we live commends Christianity to them. If we disobey Jesus, and if we live uh, as people who are unfaithful, if we live as people who uh, fight back with anger, because of what people do to us. We do not show them what Jesus has called us to do. And we show them uh, just our own sinfulness and that doesn't commend Jesus to the watching world. So we live good lives so that people will see the way we live and they will honor Jesus because of it. Now, I'm also aware that some of you uh, who are listening to this may not have a job at the moment. And some of you will have lost your job recently. And the question is, well, what do you do in unemployment? And uh, unemployment can be even harder to know how to respond uh, because you will be asked to not just receive the money that you are given by the government, but to receive it and then to fulfill your obligations to the government. And these can be uh, difficult and they can be humiliating. You can have to go and have meetings with people who will try and help you to get a job where really it seems like they're just trying to do the things that they need to do to get the money that they get. And I know all this because I have been the unemployed person myself. I've received uh, the job seeker payments, although at the time it was called New Start. And your job, the same as someone who is uh, employed, is to uh, live in a way that commends Jesus to those who are watching. Because the people who you have to report to and the people you have to meet with about finding a job, uh, they are watching the way that you respond. And so if you can respond with graciousness, even when things feel humiliating, uh, you are living in a way that commends Jesus to those who are watching. The way we live commends Christianity to the watching world. The last thing that we see uh, in the passage uh, is that we are called to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And this is what Paul sa Peter says. He says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The wonderful thing about Jesus is that he never asks us to do anything that he isn't willing to do himself and that he has not already done himself as he lived as God, as a human here on this earth. And we see that Jesus put up with injustice and responded to injustice with love and with grace and with generosity. We see that Jesus uh, submitted to unjust authorities and was punished for the way that he spoke up for what is right and what is true. And he commended the love of God to the world in the way that he lived. 
He was even punished and put to death for th- crimes that he did not commit. Uh, and he, as he did this, he showed the world what it meant uh, to be uh, someone who loves even those who are out to destroy him. Uh, we are called to follow in his example, to walk uh, in his footsteps. And as we live like Jesus and as we love like Jesus, even when we are treated badly, uh, we show the world what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We know that one day we will be vindicated by God, that one day our faith will be proved right when Jesus returns. And as he returns, people will glorify God because of the way that we have lived if we live in a way that honors Jesus. The way we lived commends Christianity to the world. People will listen to what we say about Jesus if they see the truth in our words because of the truth of our lives. Let's live lives that commend Jesus to the world. I'm going to pray for us. Our Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he loves us and he's shown us how to live. I pray that we might follow in his footsteps even when it's difficult, even when it's confusing, uh, so that we might show your goodness to the world in our lives. Amen.